right, as we uh, get started here, we are in the swamp, we're in the sewer, we are in the nation's capital, and we're here for a good reason, as we will have uh, an interview exclusively with the... I don't I don't like the term czar. That's Russian. I mean, probably they're going to impeach Trump for calling Vice President Pence a czar, uh, which is how sick this has all gotten. I, I've never, ever... It, as predictable as it is, it still shocks me and it still surprises me and it shouldn't surprise me and it shouldn't shock me because this is all that we have dealt with now for the last three years with the mob and the media and the Democratic Party and the, and anything. If Donald Trump, if the dog bites, bee stings, you're feeling sad, it's Donald Trump's fault. If he cured cancer, they would impeach him for curing cancer because he talked to a scientist in Ukraine or this form or or Russia. I mean, that's how sick this is. And if you don't believe me and you don't see a race to politicize the the entire coronavirus, which has been minimal in the United States, let's be honest here. Now, the president. When he took the steps to say, no, when you're not allowed to come into the country, if you're from a country that actually has uh, a high percentage or incidence of this virus. Oh, he was roundly criticized by Democrats. That's unfair. That is prejudice. You're being bigoted. This is discrimination. Oh, but now that they can politicize it, weaponize they're weaponizing a virus for political means. It's that sick. Okay. Look at this. New York Times op- opinion page, Gail Collins. Let's call it Trump virus. If you're feeling awful, you know who to blame. Of course, Donald Trump. Then the New York Times goes on further. You know, is the mob and the media, they're trying to blame the president for the virus. Now, you would think that Donald Trump And Vice President Pence actually got in a laboratory and manufactured the virus and they delivered it to China and they did it knowing that it would come to this country and it would cause a pandemic and millions would die because that's what they want you to believe. It's it is that sick. President Trump is, you know, what has he done? What has he not done? What do you expect him to do? And then you've got the added issue, pressure, et cetera, et cetera, of of you know, trying to solve the problem, trying to calm the markets. But think about this. This is how sick this is. And this is what we've gone through now for the last three plus years. This is now rapid, instantaneous politicizing of what is a serious, significant, real public health issue. Now, when there's a public health issue... You would think that might unite Republicans, Democrats, uh, conservatives, liberals, Bernie supporters, Trump supporters, Biden support. No, it, it, it doesn't work that way, does it? In rapid, almost instantaneous glee, you see the mob in the media that has never, ever, ever said a good thing about Donald Trump and his presidency. They have never talked about the success Many of these Democrats, many in the media mob, they they couldn't even find it within themselves to praise the president for killing Soleimani. Uh, Here it is, the number one state sponsor of terror, Iran, the guy that led the terror, the proxy wars. By the way, killing Americans in Iraq, 
The guy's dead. We get him at, at Baghdad Airport, a huge success. Uh, you, you barely get a mention of it. You know, when he took off the handcuffs, the rules of engagement in the Obama era, what did he do? Okay, he beat back the, uh, the caliphate in Syria, which uh, Obama and Biden couldn't do. He didn't get any credit for that. Kills Baghdadi. No credit for that. We have 8 million new jobs. No credit for that. Record low unemployment. African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Asian-Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment, African-American youth unemployment. They don't praise that either. Uh, he kept promises. How many politicians actually keep their promises? They don't. Here's a guy. All right, I'm going to choose from this list, and I'm going to put these people on the Supreme Court. Check. The largest per dollar in terms of real dollars Tax cut in American history. Check. Ending burdensome bureaucracy that is stifling, putting a stranglehold on job creation and business in America. Yeah, we can check that off, too. New trade deals that are free and fair. Okay, we got a $220 billion two-year deal with China. Nobody thought that was going to happen. That helps American farmers. Oh, you know, the ones that are in need of more gray matter, according to farmer mini Mike Bloomberg. Uh, and that helps our manufacturing industry. It helps our auto industry, helps our service industry, helps our energy industry. Two hundred twenty billion in two years. That's a significant amount of of money in the pockets of Americans. and means more jobs for America. Then you've got a trade deal with Japan. Then. Oh, my gosh. Mexico, we got out of NAFTA, and now we got a better deal with Mexico, and that means more money from Mexico, which means maybe Mexico is actually paying for the wall that the president, by the way, couldn't get Congress to support because it was a manufactured crisis where only a couple of years ago when Obama was in his second term, oh, it was a real crisis then, and, and he got that done. And we became, yeah, Keystone Pipeline, Dakota Pipeline, Anwar energy independent for the first time in 75 years. Oh, you would think uh, you ever get credit for any of these things. He gets credit for nothing. All it is is never ending attacks. Now we're going to politicize a illness and a virus, and we're going to do it in record time because that's exactly what's going on here. You know, I hate to say this, but I'm really believing it. I'm watching the mob and I'm listening to the Democrats. It's almost like they're hoping and they're praying that this virus, which, you know, it's about one to two percent of people die from this virus. It is it's it's a difficult virus because you don't even during the incubation period, it, it you are infectious. You can transmit that disease. It's also airborne. Uh, now, we did have a lot of hope. I told you about the Wall Street Journal article yesterday, thankfully. We've got the most brilliant, the best, the greatest scientists on the face of the earth, and they now think they are on track to get a vaccine. I think they said human trials might begin as early as April, which means that, oh, we might be able, we might be on course now to stop this thing and to save lives and inoculate people to prevent them from getting sick. That may not be what's in the best interests of Democrats and the media that hate Trump, though. You think about this. It's almost like, well, if this virus, if it really spins out of control, we can blame Trump 
because, again, I'm looking at the New York Times. Let's call it the Trump virus. If you're feeling awful, you know who to blame. That's a pretty sick statement from the paper of record. The old gray lady, as they say, the New York Times. Uh, you got to have a pretty sick mindset to believe that this is the Trump virus. But in a way, think about it. If this does get worse, if fears are generated, if more people get infected with the virus, if the market continues to react negatively out of fear that the world's economy is going to stumble because of maybe work shortages, output, et cetera, China and other places, uh, we want to get out now because they're easily panicked. Um, well, that, we could score cheap political points against Trump there, too. If more Americans are sick, we can blame Trump. If the economy tanks, we can blame Trump. We can blame Trump for everything. They've never given him credit for anything, but they're going to blame him for any, everything. And it's almost like I would never want to be in this position in life that you almost have to cheer and hope and pray and want and desire people to get sick and the economy to take a hit for your biggest and only hope at getting your power back. Because isn't that what it's really all about? Do you think that does, does the media really seem to care first and foremost about the health of we the people? It doesn't look like that to me. You know, is, is the media really caring about all the money that you have invested in the stock market? That is your retirement. That is your future. That is that is that that's important to you. You know, would they prefer that everyone's 4OK uh, retirement plans go down? In other words, if if this goes through a period, perhaps even where it's bad, as long as it lasts through the election. Well, then, oh, we can get our power back. You know, would, would they prefer that more people contract this virus? Because by the sounds of it, they don't seem particularly helpful. By the looks of it, they're politicizing this in what is a really ugly, very sick, very twisted, and frankly, unfortunately, predictable way because this is, you know, this is their lust for power. This is their overwhelming, overriding desire. And that is what? To defeat Donald Trump in 250 days. And this this might be the trick because nothing else is working. Joe Biden didn't work out. He's running for the Senate. That didn't work out particularly well. Uh, uh, Mayor Bloomberg turns out that made a lot of racist comments. Uh, that's not working out. And he's nothing like the marketing ad campaign, the 500 plus million that he spent. You know, you see him in the ad campaign. You think, wow, this guy might be good. And you watch him and you say, wow, what a dud. And then you look at his record and you say, wow, that's even worse. And then you look at his comments about African-Americans and you're like, you can't believe it. And then you hear the condescension and the the attitude of this guy about farmers, which are the best and the brightest. The, the, the level of sophistication and science that goes into farming today, that we feed the entire country and the entire world with it. But is your lust for power more important when the president kills Soleimani, can you not say, you know what? That's great for the world. 
Number one state sponsor of terror. Now, I, I, I don't remember many good words from either the mob and the media or the Democratic Party. When the president beat the caliphate, I don't remember them saying, good job, Mr. President. Wow, that's great. Caliphate's dead. ISIS is evil. Maybe I'm one of the few people that was stupid enough to watch ISIS cut off the heads of individuals and then put it on tape and burn people in cages. Or what about killing Baghdadi and associates? Or what about killing the al-Qaeda leader in Yemen? Uh, have they done a single thing in the last three years to help the president create jobs and prosperity in America? Because I can't think of anything. Have they done anything to make us more safe and secure? Now, if we flip this logic back on them, it turns out a very different way because um, they're for open borders. Ninety percent of the heroin in this country crosses that southern border. Well, if we're going to follow follow their logic, not mine, theirs, A squared, B squared, C squared, they keep the borders open. The heroin flows in. People die. We lose 300 people a week. And I guess we can say that's their fault. If, if more people die because of open borders or sanctuary policies that release even violent criminals, we could say, oh, they have blood on their hands and we can blame them. And if and, and if we want to score cheap political points, hope more people die because of their idiotic sanctuary policies that even less violent felons go free. All right. As we continue, we're in the swamp. We're in Washington, D.C. I mean, the facts matter. Does truth matter anymore? In this world of let's just hate Donald Trump for breathing. Let's hate that he's president. Let's call it the Trump virus. This is the New York Times. The Trump virus. If you're feeling awful, you know who to blame. Does it matter that from the get-go, the president had a proactive response, allowed the U.S. to stay ahead of this, that the president formed a, a, a coronavirus task force, that the president took unprecedented steps to prevent travelers from spreading the virus here, which, by the way, he was roundly criticized for expanding screening, suspending entry of certain foreign nationals, got criticized for that, too, who would pose a threat of transmitting the virus. You know, the, the fact that the president, he only spending two point five billion. OK, and he said yesterday and we'll start there. And when we need more, we will be ready for whatever happens. However, this develops. We're ready. Declaring a public health emergency, utilizing reserve funding to support response efforts. And does it matter that we have the world's greatest scientists that I reported yesterday that they think they have they think they have what will be the vaccine that that will be shared with the world as usual because that's who we are and that is what we do. Well, but you put in, um, but you, but you put Mike Pence in charge and, and when he was against the needle exchange program and then flipped it. Okay. He doesn't believe in science. AOC is saying, you know, the Trump administration has left critical positions in charge of managing pandemics at the national security council, department of Homeland security vacant president, Basically, what they're saying wants Americans to die. That sounds like the playbook every two years, every four years. Republicans want dirty air water, racist, sexist, misogynist. They want to throw granny over the cliff. Sound typical? This is who they are. All right. Thanks, Scott Shannon. 25 till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. But it's, it's all over. It's all the predictable people. 
you know, politicizing now a virus. Chuck Schumer, you got Nancy Pelosi, Ocasio-Cortez, genius that she is. Mike Pence literally doesn't believe in science. I'm like this from the woman who went to school for economics and literally cannot add. Uh, Can we talk about AOC look, for a minute? No, uh, because I don't want to get distracted. I mean, it is it is never ending. Of, of course, the presidential candidates, uh, they're all weighing in. And, and, you know, it's it's kind of amazing. The rapid response, uh, the instantaneous, the it, it is an it is a reflexive, automatic, instantaneous politicizing in this case of a virus. When the president did all these things and none of them wanted to do the things that he did about, no, if you come from that country, we're not letting you. And they didn't particularly like that part. Now, if you take this to its ultimate conclusion, and I'm really serious about this, and we are going to now use their standard. Um, They've never celebrated any of the president's success. I can't name a single thing that the president has done that they thought was good. Not one. It has been never-ending lies, slander, conspiracy theories, hoaxes, never-ending falsehoods. They never dig deep like we do and actually get to the truth, and then we get criticized for it. Um, would you? Would they support closing the border to keep Americans safe? Would they support uh, a temporary ban on foreign travel? I don't think that's going to be good for the economy, nor do I see the necessity of it. But if you think about it, why have they been so reluctant to close the southern border? Now, if we're going to follow their logic and 300 American deaths a week from opioid addiction and opioid abuse and 90 percent of the heroin in this country comes across that border, a lot of fentanyl comes across that border. A lot of Americans are dying. They say it's a manufactured crisis or even worse. They they want the borders open. Well, can you at some point say, okay, when people die from the drugs that are coming across the open borders that they support, do they not bear the responsibility of those on average 300 deaths a week? Well, the fentanyl cases, same thing. What about sanctuary states and sanctuary cities? They they, they won't hand over even violent felons that they have in custody. And then when those sometimes we've had a number of high pro- profile cases, then when those violent criminals go out and kill again, are they responsible? Do they have blood on their hands? Because based on their logic, I think we could argue their policies created the scenario under which that happened. And it's happened a lot. Two and a half billion is not enough. Well, what if we didn't spend billions of dollars on health care for illegal immigrants? We might have more money to fight the coronavirus. Can we make that argument? It is a, the, another layer of depravity. Mike Pence didn't support a needle, needle exchange, which, by the way, was against the law in Indiana uh, at the time. S- slight nuance that you got to talk about here. Nuances matter, actually, in life. And he doesn't believe in science. How could you put him in charge? That's their latest argument. Let's call it the Trump virus. If you're feeling awful, you know who to blame. All right, let's go to the mob and the media. And let's play just some of the nice, kind words that they have about President Trump on this one. 
So, uh, actually, I, I found most of what he said a little incoherent. Uh, and, you know, he's a guy who admitted that he's surprised that 25,000 to 69,000 people each year die of the flu. Uh, that just tells you how little he actually knows about public health and about the health of the American public, uh, because every doctor knows that, uh, and lots of health policy experts know that. And he told you, he just revealed how ignorant he is about the situation. Here's the thing, Mr. President. Pandemics don't care about politics. Remember, the Chinese impulse to cover up may have helped lead to this outbreak. And here in the United States, the Trump administration's war on science has left us vulnerable. Remember, the Trump administration has been shutting down research committees and silencing scientists and making climate crisis denial a matter of public policy. But it should still shock you that Trump slashed the government agencies that would have been responsible for handling an outbreak. We have talked any number of times on this show and all of us uh, more broadly as a press corps about the need for credibility by an administration. Not every administration has some official who has said something that isn't true at one time or another. But the sheer volume of things that are not true that have been said by this president and by some of his aides uh, does not inspire credibility. And it's why they are being questioned on it at a time when they need it. You also have the president appointing Mike Pence saying he's really good on health. We all remember that as governor of Indiana, uh, he uh, struggled to cope with a public health crisis uh, on HIV by delaying yeah. needle exchanges. That had uh, uh, real consequences in terms of uh, lives lost. So uh, the administration has not uh, gotten its act together. I don't have a problem if a guy says he wants to pray on it. In fact, I hope he does. I hope they all do. I don't but have a problem with anybody praying. I don't have a problem with anybody praying. I have a problem with someone who's who's allowing people to die because he doesn't want to look at science and to save lives. And I don't have a problem with anybody praying on anything. But if you're an elected ne needle, official needle exchanges, and you're not by the way, looking at the actual science and people are dying because you're not looking at a science, I have I do have a problem with that. He wants pe they're basically saying he wants people to die. Now, why are they doing it? Why is this happening? Because we're 250 days away from an election, and it's not looking good on their side. Let's be blunt. I mean, you've got this, this total, complete, utter shift show. They don't have anything to run on. They haven't done anything except hate Trump. And we're at a point now where, and, you know, the mob and the media just doesn't understand, and they don't want to understand, and... They take on breathtaking hypocrisy to me. I call it the bifurcation, compartmentalization mentally. Uh, if there's no intellectual honesty, no common sense applied, no reason. There's, there's no truth in their world. I, and I go through the list because the list is important. Imagine if Donald Trump had a private server with top secret classified information on it. How would the mob react? Imagine... Donald Trump deleted 33,000 subpoenaed emails, forensically cleaned the hard drive with bleach pit, broke up devices with hammers and removed SIM cards. What do you think the media reaction would be? If Donald Trump funneled money in his campaign through a law firm and hired an op research firm, hired a foreign national, they put together a Russian dossier. Turns out, full of lies, totally debunked. And he did that. And as the, and the New York Times concludes very late in the game, was likely Russian disinformation from the get-go. That was leaked to Donald Trump's media friend. Sean Hannity said it on television and radio, and he likes Donald Trump. Okay, 
I'd be, forget it. I mean, they bludgeon me, but they do that as a matter of course daily anyway. And then it became the basis. Now, it says at the top of a FISA warrant, verified. Now we know it was unverifiable. The author, Christopher Steele, oh, I have no idea if any of it's true. When the FBI finally looked into it, none of it was true. They couldn't find anything that was true in there. And imagine if that, they and, and the warnings, the, the, they were warned repeatedly that Donald Trump's dirty Russian dossier is political. The guy that put it together for him hates Hillary. He paid for it. And then it became the basis of a FISA warrant to take away the civil liberties and constitutional rights of some big liberal, not Carter Page, some a liberal. And that it became the basis of a means to spy on Hillary Clinton's campaign. And then if she won the presidency, her transition team. And Donald Trump's dirty dossier was then used to to spy deep into the Clinton administration, her presidency. I know it's a little far-fetched here for a second. Imagine if these things happened. What do you think the reaction would be? Imagine if Donald Trump had an RNC operative working with his campaign that went to the Ukrainian embassy and colluded with the Ukrainians for the purpose of digging up dirt in 2016 against Hillary Clinton and those that work for Hillary Clinton. What do you think the mob's reaction would be? What do you think if a Ukrainian court determined that that they worked with the Trump campaign to get dirt on Hillary? What do you think the mob's reaction would be? If there was a political article that identified the person that Donald Trump sent to the Ukrainian embassy to get dirt, what do you think the reaction would be? If Donald Trump was ever vice president, I know he wouldn't like the demotion. He was ever vice president. And he goes to Ukraine. He's in charge of Ukrainian policy under some administration. And he says, I'm not giving you a billion dollars unless you fire a Ukrainian prosecutor that we learn later that then Vice President Trump knew was responsible for investigating his son being paid millions, let's say Don Jr., with zero experience with Ukraine, oil, energy, or gas. What would the mob's reaction be? Oh, this is nothing. No serious person has ever taken... Yeah, come on. This is ridiculous. There is... This is political warfare at a level. You have to take on such breathtaking lies, hypocrisy, a double standard. And now it's accelerating because they went from zero to a thousand as it relates to the virus to see how quickly they could politicize the virus. Now, they didn't like what Donald Trump did in the beginning because Donald Trump he actually took some action. Donald Trump actually went out there and, you know, they've been pretty aggressive about all this. And they said, yeah, you know what? We have to we have to get on top of this. And we have to do it really quickly. And he got criticized at the time for doing it. But but this is this this is Trump derangement syndrome because the president led the way. Remember, the, the president formed that coronavirus task force early to coordinate all government branches approach. Then he took the steps to prevent travelers from spreading the virus in the U.S. 
What did he do? He expanded screenings and suspended the entry of certain foreign nationals who pose a risk of transmitting the virus. The administration declared a public health emergency, utilized reserve funding immediately. Now the president's trying to do more. And the president's out. Two and a half billion is not enough. We need more. It's not fair. This is outrageous. It shows he's callous. and It's madness. Have they ever done a thing themselves to help make this country more safe and secure? No. They didn't kill the caliphate. They couldn't even praise killing the caliphate, beating the ISIS caliphate or Soleimani or Baghdadi and associates or the al-Qaeda leader in Yemen. They, they never praised his trade deals with China, $220 billion in two years. Wow, a lot of Americans are going to benefit. They never praised the 8 million fewer Americans on food stamps. They said, he's taking food out of the mouths of them because they have jobs, because the economy is growing, because nearly 8 million new jobs have been created. Record low unemployment. Now the stock market's down. This is Trump's fault. No, stock market is always jittery. What do I always say about the stock market? I'm not a big stock market guy. Stock market to me, nope, never been comfortable with it. Now, everyone will tell you otherwise, and but that's my own personal point of view. Can I say one point to your point? Would you like to say one point? Linda would, I, I, Linda would like to make a point. <laughs> I just want to make one point that no one has brought up, which is that he never said this is the only amount of money he's giving. He just said, let's start with this. Let's do some research. Let's find out. He never said, no, that's it. Why wouldn't you take what he offered and then said, we need more? We figured out we need more. That's it. That's it. Now we got to pr- everything that is going to happen in the next 250 days. Everything the mob says, everything the Democrats say, everything that they do is all seen and has to be seen through the prism of how do we get our power back? Because they can't run on what they did. They can't run on Russia, Russia. They can't run on Ukraine, Ukraine. Impeachment, impeachment. So they don't want to go up against Trump's record. So they got to manufacture something. They got to pull something out of their their hat. And and then we're going to give you everything for free. And we're going to take everyone else's money. That's what we'll do. They did such a great job with Obamacare, keeping those promises. All right, we got a lot coming up today. Uh, Devin Nunes. uh, Oh, Donna Brazil is on today for a very specific reason. Donna Brazil made the phone call to Bernie Sanders after she had a couple of glasses of wine, was teary-eyed, didn't want to make the call. Hey, yeah, you got screwed. They rigged the election against you. She's going to explain that story. Uh, and we have Doug Collins is uh, going to check in with us as well. Uh-oh, Chuck Schumer went to the Senate floor today. I can't believe the president needs to get his act together on coronavirus. What do you want him to do, Chuck? Did you support the ban that he had in any way? Months of public warnings and the president was caught completely flat-footed. No, you're trying to make this Katrina uh, because you're playing politics with a virus, Chuck. That's what you're doing. It's what you always do. It's what you're only capable of doing. Because you're not capable. You haven't done anything for the American people. This is only thing you're good at, which is lying. And hyping. Devin Nunes, Donna Brazil, Doug Collins, straight ahead. All right, as we continue, we are in our nation's capital. We're in the swamp. We're 250 days away. And that means 250 days away from you, the ultimate jury, having an opportunity to shock the world once again, which is why you see this. Oh, 
the president, the president, the coronavirus. This is look at what the president, honey, did. What are you going to do? They, they, they will politicize a virus. Now think about this. What can they run on? What have Democrats done the last three years to make you more safe and more secure? What have Democrats done to create prosperity and jobs for the American people? They haven't done a thing. There's nothing except lies, slander, besmirchment, conspiracy theories, one after a hoax, one after another. And it is now, okay, they got this cast of characters that are vying for the nomination. Radical, extreme, democratic socialists where they want to offer everything's for free and we're going to take it from this group of Americans. We're going to give it to you and, and trust us. It's, you know, the math doesn't add up or anything, but don't worry about that. Anyway, uh, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, here to talk about this, the deep state whether or not equal justice under the law will apply, equal application of our laws will apply. Devin Nunes, he told America the truth when he came out with his memo and the congenital compromise liar, Adam Schiff, knew better and purposely lied. He just lied in his report, not held accountable as usual. Uh, Congressman, how are you? Glad you glad you could be with us uh, today. Hey, Sean, thanks. It's uh, great to be on the radio show. Uh, Fun being on last night on the TV show, and uh, it's back to back. Yeah, like you're becoming. I think we're going to call you the co-host here. (laughs) I'm interviewing the vice president today. I don't like the word czar because now they're going to impeach the president. See, that's how much he's in love with Russia. He has to call uh, Mike Pence the vice president a czar. Well, you know, if you notice though, last week it was Russia hoax 9.0, whatever number we're on. And then all of a sudden, nobody's talking about Russia hoax anymore, and we're on to the, the, the coronavirus, right? So they throw out a narrative, they build it up, the media falls for it. And look, this is all done to sway the American people. That's all this is about. You know, Pre- President Trump, if you think about it, when, when he took office, he started, you know, especially when Michael Flynn went down and then you, you, know, you had the Mueller hoax uh, begun, all of that happened in his first, in his, you know, the first few months. And I think his numbers then of like his hardcore support dropped into the, into the thirties and he's had to just slowly climb his way out. It's been very, very difficult with very little help in the media. There's maybe, I think you've said probably 20 people in the whole United States that, that, that helped. And you've got thousands on the other side of all these media organizations. Well, that was, a, that was actually a private conversation. I mean, if you really look at those of us that dug deep into the Espionage Act and Hillary's server and deletion of emails and the dirty Russian dossier uh, and the, the multiple warnings that were ignored and premeditated fraud on a FISA court denying one American his civil liberties and constitutional rights, a backdoor to spy on a presidential candidate, transition team, and president – yeah, there weren't many of us out there saying all of that, and we were being told the opposite from the mob and the media, 99% of them, and Democrats were spreading one lie after another uh, about Trump-Russia collusion that was a lie four investigations later. Yeah, and it's, but it's real, think about that, though. It's actually amazing that the president, with very few people helping, right, and very few people, I should say, in Congress, too, uh, you know, the Republicans didn't throw the president under the bus, but, you know, there for a while, there wasn't very many of us in Congress who were actually willing to stand up and say, 
wait a second, let's not talk about Russia hoax. That's all nonsense. What the hell are you guys doing? And, it, and the pre- poor president you know, went down into the 30s, and now he's gradually climbed his way back up, still with the media attacking him and buying off on these narratives every single day. And I, I just tell people, Sean, that, you, look, you can't get frustrated. These socialists, communists, they don't die. They don't quit. They never stop. And, you know, they have to be smashed. I've, I've just come to that realization dealing with them over the last three and a half years. And, you know, that's why, I'm, that's why I've started this DefendUSA.com, a place where Americans can go to join in and sign up to help because we have to do everything in our power to get rid of the Democrats in Congress. Because if, if President Trump, if he can win in November, and I think he can, I think he's got a great shot, but it's not, everybody should not think it's going to be easy, even though they're they're likely going to nominate some form of a socialist. We don't know which one yet, but they've got varying degrees. This is not going to be easy, and we have to get out there and fight every day. And the media, you know, will probably try to lull us to sleep again. And you know, the president should be at a lot higher approval rating than he is now. But you know, you just can't just can't catch a break, and because there is no media, fair media left in this country anymore. And I was glad to see uh, that the president's campaign is suing the New York Times. It's long. You know, I've, I've, I started doing that in the last year because I couldn't clean my name up. And I'm glad that to see the president and his campaign do that. It, it, these, these news media organizations have to be held accountable. I'm glad you're suing, too, uh, fake news, CNN, and we can get into that. You said something that really caught my attention, and this was a two-part question. You said the deep state is much worse than I ever thought it was. I will say to you, every day I'm discovering it was far worse than I ever suspected. And, you know, now we had the inspector general. He had the confines of only being able to investigate that which was in his purview, the DOJ and the FBI. He made referrals. Nothing has come of it. Even people that lied, which then kind of highlights the the 29 guys in tactical gear and frogmen uh, and the CNN cameras there for Roger Stone's uh, arrest. I, I mean, all he had to say was you're. Your client's going to be charged with lying. Can you have them report at 8 a.m.? But that's not how they did it. Um, and then the question is, everyone asked me, when is anyone going to be held accountable? When are any of the every, every if you're a conservative, you get charged for lying. If you're a liberal, you nothing happens. If you're part of the deep state, nothing happens, it seems. Well, think think about what you said, John. Even you, even you, you know, one of the most conservative uh, talk shows in the country, if not the most. And even you're saying that it was much worse than even you thought it was. So, so I mean, that's really what we're dealing with. But we have to, as, as Republicans and conservatives across this country, we have to stay united. We, 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 cannot, uh, we cannot just uh, to fall into the trap of easy solutions because uh, it, it would be funny. It would be funny if it wasn't so damn dangerous, right, the whole thing they did with Roger Stone. Right? I mean, I mean, it just, I mean, clearly that was a leak. CNN shows up there, you know, automatic rifles and, and frogmen, as you said, just totally ridiculous. Um, you know, and then the, the whole sentencing guidelines, you know, this goes, this goes on and on and on. There's example after example. So I always have to tell people as I'm going around the country, and I'm going to spend the rest of this time all the way to November going anywhere and everywhere that people want me, all over the country to get the word out, um, you know, of what actually is happening in the swamp and how bad it really is. And, and, and one you thing see, that, that you... I, I am, here's the thing. 
everything, all of this, you know, let's politicize a virus. You know, you'd think that we maybe we all agree, all hands on deck. Let's make sure everyone's okay. Number one, they didn't want the president to put the ban in place from people coming to this country from countries that were impacted by the coronavirus. They didn't like that part of it. And now that they can weaponize it almost immediately when the president said, I'm going to spend money, we got all our guys on it. We created a task force. It goes back this far. We've been offering our help to China. We have the best experts. Oh, and the Wall Street Journal says, yeah, oh, we uh, we think we're on track to have a virus and, and human trials in April. I mean, how great are, are is our medical community? It's almost, they're almost as great as all the gray matter farmers that uh, Farmer Mike talks about. And you happen farmer to be Mike. a farmer. <laughs> yeah. Far, yeah. Mini, mini Mike the farmer. Yeah, that was, uh, as you know, uh, you've been in my district uh, uh, before, and uh, we, we, we got uh, quite the amusement out of, out of Farmer Mike's uh, view of us Well, can I tell people, I, I was in your district because they were denying farmers water. Right. For a, a, a little fish, like a minnow fish called the Delta smelt that wasn't even an endangered species. Is that correct? Yeah, and you know what? You know what? What's what's great about the story that you're going to tell right now that I think is an example of why you can't give up and you can't stop. You came out about a decade ago, and you stood there and said, "What the hell's going on? There's water going out to the ocean." You know, Obama comes in there and says, "Oh, it's global warming." You know, meanwhile, billions of gallons of water are being flushed out to the ocean, and you were out there in those dry fields. It took ten years, Sean, from the time you went out there and we started fighting this fight. And then last week, the President of the United States went to the San Joaquin Valley, nearby where you were, and said, enough of this nonsense. And it was the first water that we got back into the valley of water that was just being wasted, dumped out to the ocean, in 50 years. And it took us 10 years to fight these guys. They, they just don't die. Maybe that's why, you know, I'm kind of used to this. And, uh, and I, just, I, I know it's frustrating for conservatives, but you can't quit because they don't quit. Well, no, no, no. Well, do you think Barr and Durham get the job done? Because one thing they have that Michael Horowitz did not have, well, they can investigate all the way near, far, and wide, but they can also convene a grand jury and bring indictments. Yeah, I just don't see how... Uh, look, I, if you, if you, all Durham's history is doing really tough work. He's got, he's, you know, he's got a phenomenal background in this. Um, what I really want to see, I don't want to see the Roger Stone stuff. Like I'm not interested in the piddly stuff, although those people still should be prosecuted for lying to Congress and, and, uh, lying to the FBI and uh, all the I'll, other things. I'll be, misleading well, we, Congress. Does any, does any liberal in the country want a jury for person that had publicly spoken out against you and, and your people with your views? That sounds like a tainted jury to me. Well, well, for sure, there's a, there's a problem there. But my point that I was making is, is that, I, I, of course, I want all, there's several people that broke the law there, okay? But the big, the big issues that Durham should, you know, sh- I assume is looking at, uh, is looking at whether people conspired and can he prove a conspiracy? So, so I know that Gowdy, Ratcliffe, myself, we were lied to numerous times about the FBI not being involved before the opening of Crossfire Hurricane in July of uh, July 31st of 2016. I know that's a lie. So now the question is: Is 
Who conspired to lie to us? Who conspired to lie to the FISA court? Who conspired with the Clinton campaign? That's really what Durham has to figure out. This started as a dirty campaign operation. Do you know the answer to that question? Well, I know damn well it started before July 31st, and I, I suspect it started in 2015. But I know for a fact it started in early 2016. That I know for a fact. So, so Durham's got to. You go think back Durham and Barr know that? But Do you Barr think they know, know that. that? And Durham, Durham has to know that. Yes, they have to know that. So I'll so, tell you, if it wasn't for you and Radcliffe and Meadows and Jordan and and you know, I can't. I'm not going to mention every Louis Gohmert and Gates. There's, there's not a lot of you. There was not a lot of you, and it is the greatest abuse of power, corruption, scandal. And I'll be honest, if they don't hold them accountable, it's going to happen again. All right, Devin Nunes is with us. He's actually a real farmer. I want him to uh, analyze the 2020 race. And many Mike, the farmer from New York, who thinks he can teach anybody farming because you dig a hole, you put a seed in it, and you cover it with dirt and put some water on it. <laughs> I can teach anyone to do that. You don't need a lot of gray matter for that. All right, as we roll along from our nation's capital, the swamp, the sewer, Devin Nunes is with us, uh, Congressman Devin Nunes of California. Um, all right, your assessment of this uh, group of 2020 extreme radical democratic socialists and the election shaping up, it seems like their only hope now is hopefully Americans get sick and start dying and the economy tanks because of the coronavirus. That's pretty sick uh, thinking in my view, but it sounds like it to me. So here, here's how I sum it up. Uh, let's put Bloomberg off to the side, Farmer, Farmer Mike. He's just an authoritarian guy that admitted uh, that he bought uh, Nancy Pelosi the speakership, right, quietly. The media didn't cover it, but you could tell under his breath what he said. So let's put him aside because he's just an authoritarian. I don't think he has a belief in his body uh, other than he just wants to have the power. The rest of them are all varying degrees of socialist communists. And, and ironically... The only honest one is Bernie. Bernie's the only one that's actually, you know, actually believes everything that he's saying. Now, he, he is a communist, uh, and his policies are very, very dangerous, but the rest of them are essentially espousing socialist policies, but they're being covered up for by the media. I mean, one of the, the obvious examples of that is this, the, the mayor of uh, uh, the Indiana mayor, uh, Buttigieg, He's a guy that, that is clearly a socialist, but, of course, the media term him, oh, he's a, he's a moderate. And, of course, you know, the, the senator from Minnesota, oh, oh the moderate. There's not a damn thing moderate about any of these people. So I think that's really, uh, you're, you're left with, you know, what is it, a fake Indian, a guy going senile, authoritarian, uh, and, a, and a socialist. That's how I sum it up. How's that? So, so, so. Who do you think gets it? Does Bernie get it? We'll find out from Donna Brazil if they're going to try and rig it against him again. I have to believe, Sean, that he is going to go into, at a minimum, he's going to go into the uh, the uh, convention in July with the most delegates. But I don't know that he's going to have enough to win it outright. So then what happens? And then if they try, and Donna Brazil would be the, the right person to ask, we have, we have 10 Hell's seconds. What happens? I think Holy uh-huh. Hell's going to break loose because you're going to have the hard left. I mean, Bernie clearly has, you know, he has support, um, you know, and, and I've said this on your show many times. Right. But Congressman, I- thank you very much. I got a break. Thank Devin Nunes. Donna Brazil next. All right. 25 now until the top of the hour from our nation's capital, the swamp, the sewer, Washington, D.C. 800-941-SEAN is a number. 
By the way, at the top of the hour, we will be joined by Donna Brazil. Uh, and, well, I have the whole story here. And she wrote this piece in November of 2017, Inside Hillary Clinton's Secret Takeover of the DNC. When I was asked to run the Democratic Party after the Russians hacked our emails, I stumbled onto a shocking truth about the Clinton campaign. So we'll get to that. Hey, I want to remind you, by the way, our friends at uh, Chamonix Genucel, they've done it again because the latest skin treatment, the brand new uh, Genucel RX, it delivers what is the next generation retinol anti-aging effects, zero redness, zero irritation, and the RH complex, it provides the hyaluronic acid crucial for superior retinol results. Susan from uh, Tom's uh, River, New Jersey, this is a game changer. Bags under my eyes, history. Feels soft, luxurious. I even use it to get rid of redness on my left cheek and my laugh lines. Thank you, Chamonix, a home run. Look, this is what they do at Chamonix, leading the industry. They make bags, puffiness, hyperpigmentation, redness, a thing of the past. You look your best. The new jaw, jawline treatment, yeah, you'll get that. With uh, when you order their brand new Genucel RH, you're going to get the jawline treatment and their immediate effects, and you're just going to look better. And you're going to say, "Wow, why don't they sell this in stores? Because they can't duplicate it. That's why." And Chamonix sells direct to you. That means you save money. Eight hundred skin five zero nine, and Genucel dot com. All right, um, let me just get into this just to preview what Donna Brazil said. Before I called Bernie Sanders, I lit a candle in my living room. I put some gospel music on. I wanted to center myself for what I knew would be an emotional phone call. I had promised Bernie when I took the helm of the DNC after the convention, remember Debbie Wasserman Schultz out, that I would get to the bottom of whether Hillary Clinton's team had rigged the nomination process as a cache of emails stolen by Russian hackers posted online, et cetera, et cetera. She goes on. I had my suspicions from the moment I walked in the door uh, of the DNC a month or so, well, earlier, based on my the leaked emails, but who knew if some of them might have been forged? I needed solid proof. So did Bernie. So I followed the money. My predecessor, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, had not been the most active chair in fundraising at the time when Obama's neglect had left the party in significant debt. And as Hillary's campaign gained momentum, she resolved the party's debt and put it on a starvation diet. It became dependent on her campaign for survival, which she expected to wield control of its operations. Debbie was not a good manager. She'd been interested in controlling the party. She let Clinton headquarters in Brooklyn do as it desired, so she didn't have to inform party officers how bad the situation was. How much Brooklyn uh, control Brooklyn had and for how long? Well, it was something I was trying to uncover for the last few weeks. But then I called Bernie, and it broke my heart. Donna will join us for the rest of the story at the top of the next time. That's pretty evil, isn't it? Um, anyway, let's get to our phones from, our, uh, from the swamp. Let's say hi to Randall in Tennessee, the great state of Tennessee. What's going on, Randall? How are you, sir? John, doing great. Thanks for taking my call. I do have a question for you that... I haven't heard anybody ask. Maybe you can answer the question. Have the Cubans come back with their results and findings on the coronavirus? And the reason I ask this is because Pelosi and Schumer have been slamming the Trump administration, saying that we're not doing enough. And the front runner in the, in the Democrat Party to become president has been telling us for years that Cuba has 
a healthcare system that's far superior to, to ours. So my question again is, have the Cubans come back with their findings yet? Thank you. Well, I, I, listen, I love your sarcasm. You fit perfectly into the mode of the show. Um, I, I, I think, you know, the idea, I mean, there's such a serious side of this. Well, their literacy program was great and their health care system is amazing. And, you know, it doesn't matter that they actually murdered people in, let's see, Cuba and Nicaragua and the former Soviet Union where this guy took his honeymoon. I don't know what to tell you because whatever he swallowed, he actually believes this crap. And that's the scary part. And what's even scarier is he wants to implement this madness here. And if that ever happens, uh, look, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just me. I'm, I'm too wrapped up in all of this, and I have been my whole life, and I can't help it, and I can't stop it. It's like an illness, and I, I'm just I'm out of control. But I can tell you, this is a tipping point. This is literally America on the brink because if these policies are ever implemented, America as we know it is done. And I don't see how you recover from it. Now, think of it this way. We lost. We got Obamacare. It's 10 years later. We still have Obamacare. Now, we got rid of the individual mandate thanks to Trump, thanks to John McCain in the Senate. We didn't get rid of it there they were. You know, thanks to seven other senators, they wouldn't even vote for a straight repeal that they they voted for the exact same bill. You want to know where my criticism of Republicans came from? That it came from Republicans, 65 show votes. But then they get a president. They didn't get it done. I'm hoping that that Republicans will now learn that being a courageous politician like the president is and fulfilling promises like the president is, will result in good politics. And I'm beginning to see that maybe their spines are stiffening. And I'm beginning to see that, you know, maybe they realize there are things worth fighting for. And maybe if you're going to politicize a virus and you're going to take on breathtaking hypocrisy and accept dirty dossiers and accept quid pro quo Joe and accept deleted emails and bleach bitten hammers and excuse all of that away and 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 put forth lies and conspiracy theories there's a lot at stake here and i'll tell you randall you're in tennessee it will impact you too you get the last word well the last word really is is yours but congressman nunez nailed it everyone on that stage is a socialist uh communist it's failed everywhere and that's the reality of it. And you're, you've nailed it. And uh, so, you know, Godspeed, God bless you. And um, thanks for taking the call from a deplorable. Take care. Well, I'm a smelly Walmart shopper who believes in Jesus and God and my Bible. Uh, it's 250 days. You know, it's funny because people, uh, people, uh, they like to, they always say, well, these guys on talk radio, Hannity's audience, uh, power that they, if I had the power, Obama never would have been president. If I had that much appeal, if I was that persuasive. Um, so I can't tell you whether or not in 250 days you will hear the words, we can now project that Donald J. Trump has been reelected the 45th president of the United States. The only thing I can tell you is it matters. The only thing I can give you is news and information and a very 
dire way uh, about what the consequences would be if we choose wrongly. I know that this is working. I'm happy to see Americans getting back to work. I'm happy that government deregulation is happening. I believe in manufacturing and businesses and better trade deals and secure borders and conservative justices that will impact the country for generations. But ultimately, you have all that power, not me. I am one voice. I'm on radio and TV, thanks to you, every day. You make this you make this possible. I can't do it if you don't listen. You want to fire me? Stop listening. You want to fire me? Stop watching. I'll, I'll get fired. I'll be done. My voice will be silenced. Why do you think these, these groups monitor conservatives every word, every sentence, every phrase? Why do you think they target advertisers? Because they want to destroy the business model to silence the voice because they don't like the opinion. Why do you think I've taken a steadfast, principled position? I don't support boycotts because at the end of the day, the people decide. You will decide in 250 days the direction of this country and, frankly, the world, because as goes America, so goes the world. Um, there's a lot at stake here. Things, you know, the, your vote matters. You know, I like to look at all of us as, okay, there's, we're, we're all spokes in a wheel here. There's no one most powerful spoke. I guess the most important spoke would be the president. Maybe he's the center of the wheel because he's where all the action is. And that's where it's going to happen. But if you don't put them back in office and you don't see the danger of what it is they are offering this country, we will end up with the government that we deserve. Uh, JC is in Texas. JC, welcome to the swamp, the sewer. How are you? Um, thank you, guys. I, all is well. Thank you for taking my call. I uh, It's been a while. Uh, the first time I spoke with you was out of WSB in Atlanta in 2006, and now I'm at Fort Bliss, Texas. Pretty excited, and I have some talking points for you uh, needing some help. Yes, sir. And it's about the delivery message for minority conservatives. I wanted to thank your team and foremost, and, and I, I really want to look at the fight here, and this is what I have. When I talk to my family, my friends, my compadres, I'm a veteran entrepreneur, and I ask them, I say, okay, you say social injustice. If an illegal and a sanctuary city is picked up, released, you do the same thing, you go to jail, how is that fair? They say it's not. I say, so who do you think these policies are coming from? They say it's the Republicans' fault. I know it. you can't say it all, you, Rush can't say it all, but when I look at Senator Scott, I don't hear him speaking up and putting it out to, in a message or a way that makes sense to people who look like me, sound like me, and are from the communities like me. That's that's what I'm I not sure out. I agree with. That. I think Senator Scott's a rock star. He's awesome. Yes, sir. I I, I agree with that. But I, I I'm just the delivery of that to say I'm here for you guys. I have your back, and this is what I'm going to do for you right now. And I'm going to call him out on it because it's not right and it doesn't make any sense. And it's not our policy. It's liberal policy. Listen, you got to understand something. It is a very powerful weapon. Why do you think the Democrats are weaponizing the coronavirus and politicizing it? Because if they can convince people Donald Trump's not keeping you safe and secure, now they, they think, okay, we could take a political advantage over this. And, and when they should be saying, well, this ought to be something the country agrees on. Why do you think they say Republicans are racist? and sexist and misogynistic what, what what is the purpose of that it is 
to garner power and votes. Give me an example of what you would like other people to say. How do you think people, what do you want people to say that you think would resonate? For instance, where President Trump, he did an awesome job with prison reform. I think it's okay to say, you know what? The first group that was released was primarily uh, 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 African-Americans. And it was because of me and my policies, not because of them. And it's okay. It's okay that I can talk to you like that. And I'm going to show you that I'm here and I got your back because I'm going to fight for your vote. Don't believe what they have to say. Believe what, what I'm doing. And I'll show you that. And, 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 and I Remember what that. he said in 2016, though. He goes, got nothing else to lose. Can't get any worse. Exactly. Because yeah. what he was addressing was the decades of, of liberal runes in big cities that have neglected minorities. Now, they'll go into minority neighborhoods every two and four years and say Republicans are racist. But the guy, you're right, they got prison reform laws done, the one that released Alice Marie Johnson and many other people, Uh, the guy that opened Opportunity Zones, the guy that's funding historically black colleges, the guy that has created record after record of low uh, African-American, Hispanic-American unemployment, African-American youth unemployment is Trump. So they can say he's racist. Everyone's everyone's racist. Why? Because it's a political weapon, just like the coronavirus. They're now weaponizing the coronavirus. They're politicizing it. And it took them seconds. Oh, we can jump on Trump because people are now scared. Let's go. It's basically what they did. I I agree with you as far as a political weapon. How do we fight that when when I'm sitting at the table, the round table with and I'm, I'm talking with folks from church? And, and from other business for, you know, meetings with other minority veteran business owners. And they're saying, well, how come we don't hear more fighting or combating with the same type of war tactics that the Democrats are doing to say that, hey, this is this isn't our policy. That's theirs. This is what we listen. Th- this is where exponentially, if everybody that listens to this radio program can talk to 10, 12, 15, 30 people and explain this to them and convince them and show them. And, and I'm working on a project to actually create this information and make it available to everybody. So you will have the tools to make those very arguments. Um, Thank you. I can just say that exponentially, I think Americans are getting it. The polls are showing the African-American community and the Hispanic communities. These are record numbers. These are not outlier polls, but... Listen, I got to run. I could talk to you all day. JC, God bless you. Thank you for being with us. Uh, Wish you all the best. 800-941-SHAWN is our number. Donna Brazil on what Hillary did to rig the 2016 primary. Uh, That's coming up. All right, glad you're with us. News Roundup, information overload. Thank you, Scott Shannon. We are in the swamp. We are in the sewer. It's called Washington, D.C. Vice President Mike Pence will be on Hannity tonight uh, because of the mat- how you politicize a virus within seconds. But it just takes seconds. Oh, we can't win any other. Way. Let's do that. Um, on to some 2020 uh, news. There is a FoxNews.com article. I read it earlier today. A.B. Stoddard, an associate editor, columnist, Real Clear Politics. The president wasn't happy with comments she made the other day reporting that the Democratic Party leaders at the highest levels are trying to come up with ways to stop Bernie Sanders from being nominated for president by the Democratic Party. The establishment is in full-fledged official panic, she said, and 
Anyway, then she went on to say that they have found uh, themselves now with a strong movement leader who's amassing a lot of support, is marching towards the nomination, she continued. It's clear they're making plans to stop him, but it's going to cause chaos and much more division than the party is suffering now. Now, what does that mean? Well, we can go back maybe perhaps as, oh, to 2016. There was a point, if you remember, just before the convention when Debbie Wasserman Schultz was out and they brought uh, in Donna Brazil. Donna Brazil had run Al Gore's campaign and she became the DNC chairperson. And I, I she wrote a book, by the way, about this whole endeavor and, you know, the inside story of the break ins and breakdowns that put Donald Trump in the White House. And uh, and actually, I can say very publicly, and I've said it before, that. Donna and I have been friends for a lot of years. And when we see each other, I mean, Donna, is it fair to say you usually give me a nice hug and and say, how are you doing and how's your family? And I'm praying for you. You usually do. I do. And it's good to hear your voice. I wish you were here at Howard University campus. I would uh, introduce you to some of my students and I'm sure you and I love to go. Wonderful conversation. Look, Sean, I've known you for a long time, and actually, I knew you before your hair started turning white like my hair. (laughs) But really, really, Donna, you got to go there. Really, come on, yeah, come on. I know I got more gray hair. All right, I got more gray hair. But you know, uh, the the good news is that you and I have always been able to agree to disagree, but we could do it with civility. And I have a great deal of respect for your point of view. We disagree, but we can still talk to one another. And that's why uh, then the other night when you called me, you, 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 you picked me up. I don't know if you even knew that, right? You picked me up. So I thank did. you. My well, sister was I mean, going, we used to, uh, listen, we, I, I just accept that. I just accept that we don't agree on politics. I just accept that. I mean, and that's I cool. have a lot of respect for you. Let me tell you something. You, you you came within 537 votes of getting Al Gore to be the president. And thank God you didn't win that one, but it was close. <laughs> it was swinging, hanging, dimpled and pimpled chance. So you write in your book the whole story. Yes, I did. Uh, before I called Bernie Sanders, I lit a candle in my living yeah. room. By the way, I know you, so I know this is true. You put on <laughs> some gospel music. I know you, so I know that's true. I wanted to center myself for what I knew would be an emotional phone call because you had promised Bernie when you took the helm at the DNC that you would get to the bottom of whether Hillary's team had rigged the nomination process. Pick it up from there. What happened? I still keep the um, the, the text message that Bernie and I shared. Um, I, I have a great deal of respect for Senator Sanders. And by the way, let me just say this up front. I don't think there's a movement going on. I think there are a lot of individual Democrats who are worried about their candidate or some of the contributors and some of the activists. But this is a very healthy process, as you recall from 2016 and watching what happened on the Republican side. Bernie Sanders has been running for over five years. He has a healthy uh, amount of support out there. But there's a lot of Democrats who are looking for someone other than Bernie Sanders. So I'm not ready to to do the coronation dance right now. I think next Tuesday we'll have a better idea. Of course, Saturday is important, South Carolina, but next Tuesday, one-third of the delegates, Sean. I hope you and I could talk on Wednesday of next week and take a look at the field once uh, we've been able to, you know, have a substantial number of voters uh, cast their ballots. So, let, uh, listen, we'll see what happens. Bernie certainly is the front runner. There's no doubt about it. And he gave yes, Hillary he- a run for money. 
and a lot of rules changed as a result of what had happened. But what did you discover when you took over as DNC chairperson as it relates to the election, the primary with Bernie and Hillary? Well, first of all, there were no uh, no problems with the primary contest. Hillary won the primary. She had more pledged delegates, and she had more support from the party leaders and party officials. What I found out is that internally at the DNC, um, because the party had run out of money, um, the Clinton team, in exchange for providing the DNC with the payroll or the expenses of the research staff and some of the comm staff and maybe some of the fundraising staff, they were able to uh, essentially, uh, you know, get involved in, in putting together a general election campaign before the primary ended. Remember, Hillary had sufficient delegates to win, but Bernie decided, Senator Sanders decided to go all the way until the last contest in June. And as a result of that, that's when the DNC was able to get resources from the Clinton campaign to begin the general election operation. I said that violated the spirit and let of the rules, because ultimately, we want to make sure that all of the candidates are able to compete until the, the last delegate is cast. But during that moment, I found that to be a, a very, that was an irregularity that we should have prevented. An irregularity where basically the Clinton campaign controlled the DNC, and they did it by, because Debbie Wasserman Schultz didn't raise money, and they did it by loaning the, the DNC money, and they did it by doing things that they should never have done, that gave her an edge that Bernie didn't have. You wrote, you actually said, I, I was in agony as I dialed him, keeping this secret was against everything I stood for, and I, I valued as a woman and a public servant. Hello, Senator, I've completed my review of the DNC, and I did find the cancer. I did. Now, those are your words. It was the cancer. I mean, Sean, I have been involved in Democratic politics since the age of nine. I didn't get active until I was in my 20s, but I've been knocking on doors and, and really doing voter registration for the party since I was a kid. Uh, what I saw when I took over as chair bothered me. It disturbed me. And I wrote about it because I wanted to make sure we changed it. Uh, the rules have been changed for 2020. None of the rules that applied in 2016 would have uh, given Bernie Sanders a delegate lead or the nomination. Let's be very clear about that. Bernie has to earn it the same way Hillary earned it after losing in 2008. But this time around, the rules have been written so that Bernie and every candidate who signed up to run, they know the rules. The rules are crystal clear. You have to have a majority of delegates, 1,991. I think as of today, Senator Sanders has over 100 delegates. So he is the leader in the delegate race, and he may be leader and some of the polls. But as you well know, this is a state-by-state -state game, not a national game when it comes to winning delegates. Well, it is and it isn't. And, you know, one of the things I do like about you personally, by the way, I meant to tell you, I, I'm, I, I didn't know that I had picked you up the other day. I did, I did not know all of that. And, you know, I want to tell you that I'm praying for the people in your life, your sisters and everybody else and your whole family. Um, it's, you're, you're an amazing person in terms of, you know, it's so interesting that like God can bring so many people of political points of view together. Isn't it? I mean, I find, I mean, you go to church, you're not really thinking about, are you a liberal? You know, you're a conservative. No. Nobody really, no. nobody really gives a rip. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. By the way, I'm one of those smelly Walmart shopper, irredeemable deplorables that clings to God, my, the Bible, my constitution and my religion. So I'm, you know, I know that. Obama once said that, and Hillary once said that, and Peter Strzok once said that. 
Um, but I'm a descendant I from an s- asshole country that also believed that we are Americans <laughs> right now as we speak. Let's be very honest. I want to make. By the sure way, there's the a ton of places in the world you don't want to grow up, Donna. Let's be honest. Well, hell yeah, because we're what? blessed to grow up in the United you. States of America. I grew up on the bayou, and I am just as proud of my birth and my my background as, as I am of your birth and your background. Let me just say this, because you started off with the virus. I saw the Dow today tumble 1,200 points. People like me, that impacts my 401k. Yes, I have a 401k. I've been working since the age of 13. But the coronavirus will have a significant impact, not just on our health, but businesses, and and our politics. I've been looking at this virus across the world, from Japan, where they're thinking about closing down schools, the Olympics, they want to know until May. Look, we all have to come together. Last night I was tweeting when the president was talking. I'm like, hey, guys, get the politics out of this. This damn virus doesn't have a, a, a DR. It is a virus that's going to impact millions of uh, uh, people across the globe. And so we all need to come together, get a vaccine. If it takes 2.5, if it takes 8 billion, we should do whatever it, it, it takes to make sure that everybody remains healthy. Well, you know, it, I, I agree wholeheartedly with everything you just said. But what does the New York Times put out? Let's call it Trump virus. If you're feeling awful, oh, you know on, who man. to blame. I mean, so well, much, don't you know, blame don't me for what the New York personally. Times says. They, they, they hate me over there. Sean. Sean, oh, don't take it personally. You, Trump they, virus. They Coronavirus me. is Trump. Ebola virus was Obama. I mean, look, it, they, everybody comes after the president. He's the president. Don't take it personally. I mean, you talk to the president. Tell him don't take it personally. I live 3.3 miles makes you think I talk to the president? president? I keep reading that I talk to the president. Does anybody well, ever know do. if I really talk to the president? Can I ask you a question? I hope he talks to you because <laughs> you, at least you keep your nose to the ground and you know what people are thinking out there. And he should talk to people who are living outside the, this so-called bubble that we live in in Washington, D.C. And if he doesn't have... You know what the irony is, though? Donna, Call me, when Mr. he president. when the when the president <laughs> in the from the very beginning said, you know what, we're closing our borders to people from countries where this is impacted greatly. He got crucified for that. I mean, so you can't win for losing here. He says two point five. That's not enough. If people are going to die, you put Mike Pence in charge. Mike Mike Pence doesn't believe in science. I mean, this is the kind of crap that's going on today. So what? So what? We live in a country with 300 million people, so five of them have an opinion. You know what? I five have of them are in your years. party. They're your leaders in the Democratic care. Party. It's Chuck it Schumer. It, 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 and, you know who my leader is? My leader is Jesus Christ. Okay, let's be very clear about who, who, I, who I bow my head to. I don't bow my head to anybody but the Lord. I was in church yesterday after class on, on Georgetown campus with my kids. So I, I believe that we need to get the science right. This is, if this becomes a public health emergency and the president calls me up and says, Donna, I need you to help me. I will help the president because I did the same thing when George W. Bush. I wrote a letter in the Washington Post saying, Mr. President, how can I help you? When Katrina made landfall, Katrina wasn't looking for Democrats or Republicans. She didn't give a dog on where you live. She just wiped the hell of, uh, off the map. So I want to help. I just want to help right now. That's all I want to do. I'm at the same place in my life that you are. I really am. Um, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm happiest about with the president is like, okay, we got 8 million new jobs. We got 8 million fewer people that need food stamps. We got record low unemployment for every demographic. Uh, we, we, the guy kept every promise he ever made, and, and it's been never-ending. Witch hunt, hoax, conspiracy theories. All right, Donna Brazil is our guest. You see, this is why I like Donna Brazil. 
This is the real Donna Brazil. And if if President Trump, and you know, I know Ivanka, uh, I know Kellyanne Conway, you know, I'm one of these people. I've been around the Beltway. I know you call it the swamp. I'm actually from the swamp, so I know a real swamp from a It's a sewer. (laughs) Don't say that about the bayou. I smell worse. (laughs) I smell worse. No, this is not the sewer. I've been to places that I, I, I've seen open. I don't know. It's pretty in ugly. America. Well, here's what I want you to know. We all, all right, stay right there. I got to I got to pay okay, bills take, so take, they can pay, the pay my expensive. Uh, hang on. All right. Uh, Donna Brazil, 800-941-SEAN, our number from the swamp, D.C. All right. Donna Brazil is uh, with us. And um, what do you think of the. The movement that is among the establishment, this would be Hillary Clinton's camp. It seems Barack Obama's camp, meaning, you know, the different varying power coalitions in the Democratic Party trying to stop Bernie. Why? Why do they hate him? As you well know, Bernie has served in both both the House and the United States Senate. Uh, we have well over 250 so-called automatic superdelegates who are members of Congress. Uh, Senator Sanders tried to lobby them uh, in 2016, but to no avail. This time around, they will not be able to vote on the first ballot, nor will people like myself. I'm a member of the DNC. I'm a distinguished former um, a party official. I, o- I so- only have 10 seconds. Do you think he's going to get this nomination outright? And if he has the most delegates, does he deserve the nomination? No, sir. You got to earn 1,191 delegates. And let's talk next week at the Super Tuesday. All right. Donna Brazil, thank you. And by the way, I'm praying for your family, and I mean that with all my heart. Uh, 800-941-SHAWN. Toll-free telephone number. We'll get to calls and Doug Collins next. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. 800-941-SHAWN. Our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the uh, program. Uh, Congressman Doug Collins is with us. Uh, I think he's, he shined like such a bright light during the impeachment insanity and madness. And uh, anyway, he's done such a great job. And anyway, he's out there now saying this to say about FISA, because now they're talking about getting rid of the FISA court, which, by the way, if they can't fix it, we're going to have to. Because you can't have the powerful tools of intelligence that we entrust to people that the 99 percent are amazing. They keep us safe and secure and they risk their lives for us. Same with, you know, we have the greatest intel agency in the world, the best. We have the best the greatest law enforcement agency, the FBI, in the world. And in order to restore America's faith in our premier law enforcement agency, we must reform FISA to ensure our intelligence community, our FBI, are deterred from ever wielding their significant power to spy on American citizens. Uh, That's from Congressman Doug Collins. How do we do that, Congressman? Good to talk to you. Hey, Sean, it's good to talk to you. Well, we, we start off by not accepting the premise of the Democrats who don't want to talk about the fact when they when they want to talk, when we say we've got to reform FISA, they don't want to go there because then they have to admit what actually happened, and they're not willing to admit that this you know FISA process was broke, that it did attack the president not only when he was a candidate but after he was president. And so we've got to get back to this place where you can't just bring information to the court without it being verified, without it having you know a certain level of scrutiny, and also making sure that we're not violating in the in, in the essence of Carter Page you know, having uh, lawless warrants out there that violate Fourth Amendment principles. These are the kind of things that have to be in there. Right now, there's a push from the, some of the senators who just want to reauthorize it with no, with nothing, you know, changed. That can't happen. And in the House, there's some of us fighting for it and says, look, the provisions that need to change, that need to be extended, we're fine with that. But 
we've got to change the FISA process itself, or otherwise I can't support these other extensions without getting some real change that the president's asked for and that we've asked for. If we can't protect, I mean, these tools are so powerful. Look, I, I, I have friends in the intel community. Um, I've interviewed many people over the years that tell me, uh, if they want to pick up your text, your phone conversations, your this, your that, they, they can do it simply. It's easy to do. It's not hard for our guys to do any of that. They can spy on every American. And I've interviewed people that say that they do it as a matter of course. And that would be every text, every email is, and every phone call is, is literally transcribed in real time and metadata stored. I don't know what's true and what's not true. But it wouldn't surprise me if we're able to do that for every call, text, and email every second of every day. And the problem is, is that we're also a country that believes in privacy. We have a constitution. Uh, We have a right not to be spied on. But all of this happened. And the question I get asked most often, Congressman, is are any of these people going to be held accountable for their actions? And I can't give them a 100% answer. Now, I do have faith in, in the attorney general. I do have faith in in Durham, um, but it's so slow. People are beginning to like roll their eyes when I say that. Well, look, you and I both have Sarah Carter, and I was with Sarah today at CPAC. We've talked about this. We do believe there's there's things coming. I do believe that the way that it's been handled, even if it's slower, I would much rather have Durham take an extra week or even an extra two weeks or even you know, whatever it takes to make sure that when we get the case, it sticks. And it's so that nobody can get out of it. Nobody can, you know, go around saying, no, we didn't do this, and then they can't prove it. I have faith that that's going to happen. Look, I, it's just a, a situation at this point where you had many years of an Obama administration in which you politicized our intelligence community and our top, not even 1%, half percent of the top level of our FBI who determined that it was up to them to determine our next president and to also stop them. So we've got to put these, you know, things in place so that people can feel good. Remember, FISA came about because of abuses from the intelligence communities and law enforcement communities in the 60s and 70s on American citizens. This came into to being so that we could actually have a place where those powers are checked. We've got to now make sure and update it in 2020 after what we've seen for the last four years is those uh, sufficient uh, to make the changes, and we're going to put those in place to make sure people can feel, number one, confident that we're getting the bad guys overseas, and number two, that we're protecting American rights. Well, do you think we get there? Do you think the people that abused power and were corrupt get held accountable, A, and do you believe we can do this in a way with checks and balances that guarantees this never happens again? On the first one, yes. I still have faith in the system because if I didn't have faith in the system, then we've got a, we've got a bigger problem. And I don't want Americans to believe. I think they, they should be rightfully concerned, and I'm rightfully concerned. That's why I'm fighting. That's why I've been screaming so loud about this you know, for so long. And it was really just, again, disgusting that the chairman, instead of wanting to talk about the real problems, uh, FISA just called off the hearing yesterday. So we're working to fix that. Number two, in the longer picture, is, is we get people you know, working this. This can be fixed. It can be something that can work. And it, as the president has said, it doesn't matter, you know, who it is. It should never happen to another president. It shouldn't, frankly, though, it shouldn't happen to anybody. That's why we're. That's why we're. What I'm is sure, your you know, reaction? Yeah. With all that we've been right. through, and Democrats haven't done a thing to help the American people, and it, it took like seconds to politicize uh, the coronavirus. So, you know, we can't get along on yeah. on the coronavirus. We can't decide that 
hey, the president uh, taking measures and steps to prevent people from those country countries for, where the outbreak was that he made the right call, even though he was widely panned and criticized for it. Uh, the president now putting forth, you know, the the commission as early as he did. Now the vice president and the monies that he said, whatever's going to be necessary, we'll spend towards it. But that's not enough because Democrats want to bludgeon this president on any issue. They couldn't even praise killing Soleimani. No, no. And that's that's the problem you're seeing, you know, Sean. Look, they've revealed their true colors. You know, if you want to see what will happen, if you elect a Democrat, you know, if the American people elected one of the clown car Democrats that they've got out running for president or if they recap the House in, the, in, the, in Pelosi's hands, you've already seen what they're going to do. They have nothing else except the decision that they want to attack this president. So, look, they've got no agenda. They have nothing that they're doing. And it's, and it's sad. When you get out, you just come off of a sham impeachment in which you fail miserably. Schumer's first reaction is, is the president's doing nothing. The president is, is, is failing. And, and Pelosi doesn't even have an excuse. She just says the president's doing bad. We've got to get past it. This is why it's important for you and for us and conservatives to be out there sharing the message of what can happen when we do it right and when we support a president who has their best interests at heart. Congressman Doug Collins, uh, always great to have you. Thanks for all you've been doing and your strong voice in D.C. It's well needed, and we appreciate the update. And uh, we'll continue to watch your race for the Senate in Georgia uh, very closely, and um, I look forward to having you back. Well, Sean, I look forward to it. You've been a big supporter for this, and we're going to continue to fight for it. I appreciate it. All right, sir. Thank you. Keith is in uh, Pennsylvania. Oh, we'll be watching Pennsylvania closely in oh, 250 days. How are you, Keith? What's going on? Good, Sean. Good. Thanks Keith. for taking my call. Um, long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you. Huge, Thank huge you. fan of yours. Um, you DVR it every night. Let me tell you what I love the most in life to eat. I love Philly <laughs> cheesesteaks. Love them. Oh, yeah. Love, yeah. love, 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 love Philly cheesesteaks. Well, I live right outside Pittsburgh, so us, it's pierogies, okay? Um, <laughs> What's I going on? What's on your mind today? I just wanted to give a, you know, a good vibe from Pennsylvania. Since Donald Trump has been in office, my business has doubled, okay? I was a long-time Democrat, okay? You helped me by listening to your, not radio program, but TV program, program turn me into a conservative, okay? And I do believe um, that Donald Trump will get reelected. One thing What is your business? It's what is your business? Janitorial cleaning. Janitorial cleaning. That's awesome. Good for you. Yes, and the economy is just dynamite, okay? But one thing that scares me is that everybody thinks that if Bernie gets the nomination, that um, Trump will automatically win and will catch the down ballot. What scares me is the amount of crowds that Bernie attracts, the amount of young people, and how they've been corrupted through our educational system. And I think I your fear to... is is valid. I share your concern. I take nothing for granted. And if anybody thinks this is a slam dunk, you are deluding yourselves. For a Republican to win, you got to I keep reminding people. Now, maybe it's a blowout. That'd be great. That'd be icing on top of the the cherry on top of the the cake. 
But you got to win North Carolina. You got to win Florida. You got to win Ohio. You got to pick off your state of Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota. Then you got to take Arizona. Never easy sometimes. You know, it's kind of difficult sometimes. Uh, then you got, uh, let's see, uh, you want to maybe put Nevada in play and New Mexico in play and New Hampshire in play. And I think it's all possible. But if the only, this is how I look at the election. Tell me if you agree with me that, look, it's, it, it's two minutes. It's the two-minute drill in football. You have no timeouts. You're down by six, and to win, you gotta you got to cross the plane. you got to get in the end zone, and you got to get the extra point. And that's how we have to look at it. And if anyone, if, if you don't take this as seriously as it needs to be taken, that's why we built on Hannity.com, information. You know, when do you, when do you have a registration? Where to register? Who's your congressional candidate? Who's your Senate candidate? Uh, when does early voting start? When does it stop? What about absentee vote, vote, balloting? It's all on Hannity.com. But I'm with you. Don't take it for granted. And you stay home, and then the president loses. You're going to ask yourself, why didn't I vote? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, Sean, like I said, I'm a longtime fan. I think you're a patriot. Keep up the good work. Thank Stop you, sir. Let me ask you a little bit about your work a second. So you, you have janitorial services. Your business has doubled, you said. Um, now, one of the, can I ask you a question? What do you pay uh, your workers? Or do you do all the work yourself? No, we have 33 employees now. Uh, we've moved. Okay, what, what does a person get? Yeah. I'm sorry. We, what do you uh, pay your people? Home office. They average anywhere between forty-two to fifty-five thousand a year. That is amazing. Because I'm going to tell you something. You know what? Nobody wants to do clean. I hate cleaning. You know, I like cooking. I don't like the cleaning part. I'm a good cook, but I do it. I mean, I wash dishes all those years. I'll tell you a quick story, and I'm only because. You know, you're the heart and soul of America. We're all in the service business. We, we create goods or services that people want, need, and desire. And as a result, then we can get an apartment or a house and a car. And, you know, and, and that's the way our economy works. And the harder you work, usually the better you do. I met this guy once. I was painting an office when I was a painting contractor late at night. And it was a guy comes in at like 2 in the morning, scares the crap out of me. And he's there to clean whatever the office was. And I talked to the guy who you know, put our feet on the desk, you know, took a break. Guy came from a, a country like Russia, you know, somewhere, Eastern Bloc country. And he built businesses in five years. This guy owned two homes, had all these trucks, all this big company, and is out there with his son at night cleaning offices. And it blew me away at how great he took advantage. He, he got a breath of freedom, man, and he was not going to let it go. Incredible, right? That's America. Oh, that is America. Keep up the good work, Sean. And thank you again for taking my call. Thank you, sir. Wish you all the best. All right, we have a minute. Florida and Bill is standing by. Bill, how are you? Uh, Welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. Hi, Sean. Uh, Thank you so much for getting me on. This is amazing. Thank you. We got a minute. It's all yours. Go. All right. I just wanted to say I thought it was amazing. Uh, Just having Donna Brazil on and the conversation you guys had and how, what a great opportunity it was when she said, Hey, tell me how I can help. And I would love to see 
maybe somehow you encourage this to happen, where she actually becomes part of the solution and, uh, and show America how we are united uh, and together in, in defeating anything, whether it's, it's, it might happen or it could happen or even tragically if it does happen. And, uh, and I think this would be a good opportunity just to have you reach out and, and invite her and bring her in, even though I know you are actually the one. Uh, maybe you could facilitate it. What do you think? You know, everybody seems to think that I have a direct line to the Oval Office. They just think that. You know, one thing I'll never do in my life, and we've done a lot of investigative reporting in the last three years, I will never confirm or deny a source who I talk to, when, if, if I talk to them, when I talk to them, if I talk to them, what did I talk about? To them? I'm never doing that. And I've never done that. But I will say this, there are good people in this country, even though we have political disagreements. There are. Unfortunately, the mob in the media and the Democratic Party, for the most part, sadly, they are bitterly, psychotically anti-Trump. And to be honest, if they had the choice of whether or not America succeeds or fails, if it means they can win, I think they'd probably pick failure. That's how sick it is. It's really sad. All right, Hannity tonight from the swamp. The great one, Mark Levin, Vice President Pence, Newt Gingrich, Dan Bongino and Geraldo, Kevin McCarthy, Ari Fleischer, Matt Gates. I can't do any better than that. I'm going to try, though. We'll see you tonight at 9, back here tomorrow. As always, thank you for giving us this microphone. We can't do it without you. <laughs> 